It's such a blessing for me to come to you today. Today we are going to talk about Jesus Christ as our intercessor. He is the one that shines the light on us. He is the one that bridges the gap between who God is and what we are experientially. He is the one that is making us or bringing us to God, make us meet God at his standard, if you understand what I'm saying, his standard of living, his quality of living. So we're going to look at Jesus Christ as the high priest, which is in the order of Melchizedek, the very one that we needed, that can meet our every need. We have been talking about Jesus meeting the needs of humanity in this last two weeks in depth especially on the message that I've made during the week. I've spoken about the order of Melchizedek in depth, but I know everybody's not watching the messages that I make during the week, and some just focus on the Sunday messages. So we're definitely going to talk about the order of Melchizedek, recapping about what was said in the previous sessions, and just enjoying this feast, this gospel feast that is being put in front of us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't God just a good God that loves us? The Bible says, and Jesus said it himself, he says, my flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will never hunger or thirst and you will have eternal life and glory to God. And Jesus took that uh, quite literally when he talks about the eternal life. When we eat his flesh, when we drink his blood, when we partake of him through having faith in him, we will have in the physical exactly what Jesus Christ has today where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that is the, uh, the promise that the Father has made to us. And that was also the uh, commandment that the Father gave Jesus. That is what Jesus had to bring forth in us. Glory to God. We've got a God that exactly, he knows exactly what we need. And he's providing that in Jesus Christ. So in today's message, I'm going to be talking about intercession and to just summarize what you're going to learn today is you're going to learn that Jesus as intercessor is the one that brings the light of the glory of God that is shining in his own face the light of the glory of God in the man Jesus Christ's face he's bringing that to us he's shining the he's shining the light of God on us you're going to be uh, you're going to learn that it is the job of the high priest to minister God to people. That is what his job is, is to minister God to people, to bring God to us. <laughs> Glory to God. That's what we're going to see. Okay, um, I would like to start off by just quickly going to Hebrews, and we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 7. Thank you, Father, that as I minister today and people watch this message, that it is done in the power of your resurrection. Thank you, Father. This, this is not a human effort to try and persuade men, but this is a declaration of your truth. Amen. Right. We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And we let us pick it up from verse 11. What we're going to see here is that the scripture teaches that the order, the order of Aaron, 
or the Old Testament law, or if you want to go further than that, you can just say uh, man by his own ability, that he does not have the power to make any person perfect. It hasn't got the power to make any person perfect. But that the order of Melchizedek does have the power to make people perfect. Now, let me just quickly explain the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek is very simple. It simply means the authority to give eternal life. That is all that it means. The order of Melchizedek is simply the authority wherein the um, wherein Jesus Christ stands, wherein he gives eternal life. I don't want to go into depth in explaining the order of Melchizedek and going through all these verses. If you want to get a teaching on that, you can just get my book. It's for free in uh, PDF format from our website. And you can see there's a chapter there that talks about the order of Melchizedek. And I deal with that in depth. What is this order of Melchizedek? How does it work? I go verse by verse explaining that the order of Melchizedek is not the order wherein the church has got the power to take tithes from people. And that is sadly the depth of the understanding that there has been uh, or that has been presented to the church in broad. It's basically, listen man, the order of Melchizedek is that we have the authority to take tithes. That's not what it is. That is an absolute misunderstanding on what the order of Melchizedek is. The order of Melchizedek is the power of Jesus Christ or the authority that was given to Jesus in order to bring eternal life to man. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a king called Melchizedek. Melchizedek means uh, king of righteousness, and he was also the king of uh, Jerusalem or Salem, which means peace. So this king was the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And that's what you would get, a king of golf or a king of tennis or a king of motorcar racing or um, a king of flight or whatever you want to you, you look at the king of. It simply means the one that ministers, that is good at it. So here we find the king of righteousness being in the order of an endless life, meaning that endless life and righteousness can never be separated. Whenever you talk of righteousness, you can never do it outside of the order of Melchizedek, which is the power of an endless life. What that means is that righteousness could only be administered to humanity by a man that can never die. Why would that be the case? Because Man needs life. That is what man needs. If you look at what's going on in the world, if you look at what's going on politically, if you look at what's going on in schools, if you look at what's going on in universities, if you look at the hatred, bitterness, um, content, all those kind of things that's going on, if you look at how everything, everybody would look at what's going on in the world and they would say, most of the things are going backward. Nature is dying out. People are dying out. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in this world. Things are just going backwards all the time. That is what people are saying. And what they are saying is the world needs life. But the good thing is that God knows that and he has provided that life in Jesus Christ. 
Isn't that absolutely awesome? That is so, so good. Now I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is your intercessor. He's the one that, that who by the power of the gospel, the power of not just the message of the resurrection, but the truth that he was raised from the dead, the power of God that the man Jesus possessed, he is bringing you life. So wherever you think you need life, Know that Jesus brings you life. Okay, so as an introduction, we're going to look at Jesus as Jesus in the order of Melchizedek. We're going to look at the uh, perfection of his order and that nothing could be made perfect by the old priesthood, that Jesus Christ comes as the one that gives you life. When we think of this, we have to think of the order of Melchizedek as something that had to take place in the physical. That means Jesus had to be physically raised from the dead. Many of us, we say, well, you know, if we die and our bodies go to the grave and we go to heaven, we'll be okay. Now, if you lose a limb, would you be happy about that? Would you say, well, if I, if I lose my hand, that's okay, that's okay. I, if I lose my hand, that's okay. If I, if I lose my leg, I mean, that is okay. You know, it's, it's not a problem because I am not a body. Now, you're never going to say that. If any one of you uh, gets a pain in your knee and all of a sudden your leg has to be amputated above the knee, you're going to say my life is going to fall apart. Yet we have a gospel that we've heard over the years where we can have our whole body amputated and we're still happy with that. My gosh, I mean, losing a foot is bad, but what about losing your body? That's the worst thing. <laughs> it's like a, um, an absolute destruction that has come your way. Now, the order of Melchizedek was not about Jesus losing his body and going to heaven. It was about Jesus' body receiving eternal life. And since he has eternal life, he can now grant eternal life. He can now give eternal life unto whosoever the Father gives unto him. And we, we find that um, as our bodies become older and as we see life, like I think of that song, slip sliding away you know it's if life is kind of slip sliding away it's like fading we're becoming older we're seeing life um drained from us that is the problem that god saw with man and he said let me come and perfect man he has come to perfect us <clears throat> and that is what this order of melchizedek is all about jesus as the intercessor is the one that comes and intercedes between where we are now and where we have to be. It is his job to bridge that gap, to bring us to God. Bring to God doesn't mean to be at the place where we can pray to God or talk to God. He's talking about experiential knowledge, to fully know God. Jesus' job is that we that God is ministered to us to the point that the fullness of God manifests in us bodily. Now, that is good news because that takes the whole works righteousness thing out of the way. It takes the whole thing that of, of, about what we need to do for God out of the way. It brings God to us 
And that is what Jesus is, Emmanuel, is God with us. It brings God to us. It brings God into our lives. It brings God into our works. It brings God into manifestation in our lives. And that is the job of the intercessor. That is the job. And that intercessor is not intercessory work. It's not done through prayer. The father didn't need somebody to pray to him. The father needed somebody to take him to man and not him to man as what had happened in the Old Testament where there was a temple and he was living on the earth there. No, even when God was would come into the temple and then dwell there with man, the distance was very great between men bodily and who God is. The job of Jesus is to bridge that gap and bring us life. That's why there had to be a bodily resurrection. That's one thing. But more than the resurrection, there had to be an ascension. Ascension doesn't talk about where you go when you die. Ascension talks about ascending bodily into the highest level of living. That is what it is. You can, I can sit on this chair right now and uh, should Jesus return right now and I ascend, I can continue to sit in this chair, start to shine with the fullness of God's glory in my body and that would mean I have ascended on high. Uh, On high doesn't mean uh, away, it means a higher form of existence, a higher way of living bodily. And that is what happened to Jesus. Yes, there had to be a death. Yes, there had to be a resurrection. But then there had to be the ascension. When the ascension on high was there and God will, this, this man, Jesus Christ, will meet us in that ascension. He will meet us in that glory. That's what's going to take place. The the trumpet's going to sound and we will experience the ascension in our bodies, man. The power of the resurrection, the power of an endless life, the access to the tree of life wherein we see the fullness of that in our bodies, that is what we will see through Jesus Christ. That is the intercessory work of Jesus. It's got nothing to do with begging the Father to get to get or, or not to kill man. No, intercessory work is done bodily. And that is what we need to understand. So we see here that the first order, the order of the law, the order of all of that. Listen, we also need to, let me just interrupt myself here. When you read the New Testament, especially Hebrews and those kind of passages, we need to understand that this letter is Hebrew people talking to each other. And we as Gentiles from the outside trying to make sense of what these guys are writing to each other. This whole order of Aaron, this order of the law and all those kind of things, we're not even, I don't even think we as Gentiles, we're even supposed to have that as part of our conversation just should have seen the resurrection and what that means and just live from that but now we're talking judaism here we're talking jewish way of thinking we are entering the jewish mind and from there we are reasoning okay it says here if perfection could have been attained through the levitical priesthood and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood why was there still a need for another priest to come one in the order of melchizedek so if the law could make you perfect. 
why did God prophesy in the Old Testament that there will still come a priest in the order of Melchizedek? The order of Melchizedek means no genealogy, no beginning of days, no end of days. The order is that of an endless life. That is what Paul is trying to explain here. It says, not in the order of Aaron, for when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe, the one from whom tribe has ever served at the altar. So it says Jesus doesn't come from the order of um, Aaron. There's no genealogy about him. You know, when he came, he comes from Judah. Now it says here in verse 15, and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of regulation or as to his ancestry, but according to the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Okay, so the power whereby Jesus is high priest is the power of an indestructible life. Now, is that indestructible life in his spirit? Was that indestructible life in his body or to him as a human being? No, it is to him as a human being. Just today, just before this message, I uh, communicated with somebody that was just writing on one of my Facebook posts, but they were saying that, you know, we are spirits. We are a spirit being. That's what they said. I said, I don't think so. I think we are a human being. <laughs> we're not a spirit being. We're human beings. We are living souls. And this living soul has been offered a birth from God where we will not be of the earth earthy, but we will be of heaven, heavenly, meaning we, we will have the fullness of God. So here we find that what man needs, basically we can put it this way, what God needed in order to bring man what man needed was a man that had the power of an indestructible life, the authority from a life that can never be destroyed. Now it says here that Jesus has received that power for it's declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek or you, Jesus, have the power to minister God from the foundation and the authority of an endless life. You've got the authority of not being able to die or sin. And from that authority, you can now rule over whosoever I give unto you. That is what is taking place here. He says, for the former regulation is set aside because of the, because it was weak and useless. So he's saying the old law system with the law and the Ten Commandments and everything you had to do, it is put aside because it is useless. It can, it's not good for any use as pertaining to bringing people unto life. The only thing that the law can do is tell you that you are mortal, that you have sin in the flesh, that you are not, you are not where, you are, where you ought to be, and that you need to basically repent of what you're busy with and call upon a Savior. That is all that the law can do. The law can only minister death to you. It can only administer to you and give you the revelation of your mortality. That is all it can do. And then point you and tell you, listen, you need to believe in someone that is greater than death. That is all that the law can do. But it's got no power uh, unto changing you, giving you life, giving you peace, giving you joy. 
And that's also true for government laws. We need to understand that there is no life on the other side of another legislation. There's no, no life on the other side of any constitution. It's not there. The, the constitution has not been designed by God to be the bearer of life. The bearer of life is the man, Jesus Christ. He's the one that brings us to God. He's the one that makes us draw nearer to who God really is, to his kind of a life, to his kind of existence, and all of that. The law, the constitution, can never bring that to you. And I think it would be a wonderful thing if the church at large start to really believe that, preach that, and have a life born from that. Glory to God. It's, let, let me tell you this. I've got absolute zero hope in any government bringing forth that which God has promised me in Jesus Christ. It is, it's impossible. No government, no earthly government can lead me uh, closer to God, can bring, make me draw near, nearer unto who God is. Make more of who God is manifest in me. It is impossible. I am very grateful for a democratic government where I am free to preach the gospel and all those kind of things. But I'm also not under living in the uh, uh, illusion that a government can rob me from God. I'm not living in that. A government cannot take God away from me. It is impossible because what makes me draw near unto God is the man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That makes me fearless and it also brings me to a place where I can respect the government because it's not as if I have to now get them to do the right thing so that I can have life. It's wonderful if they are righteous. It's wonderful if they are good. It's wonderful if they allow us to preach the gospel. Um, or let me put it this way. They can never allow us to preach the gospel or not. We don't need the permission of any government to preach the gospel. Uh, the, the one who's got all authority has told us and given us the freedom to preach the gospel. But it is nice not to be persecuted by the government when we do what is inside our heart. But I want to just make this point. That no law, no legislation, none of those things can bring us closer to God. It cannot. That order is useless. So the order of Aaron plus the order of government authority, all those orders, all those authorities can never give life. Government doesn't have the authority to give life. For government doesn't have life. Government is in need of life. The Levitical priesthood cannot bring life. Why? Because the priests are dying. They don't have the authority to give life for they don't have life. They are in need of life. If we can just see that. If we can just see that. If somebody has got COVID, you cannot go and knock at his door and say, breathe on me and heal me from COVID. If you have COVID, if you have COVID, you cannot go to somebody who's got COVID and say to him, could you please give me some of your blood so that I can feel better? No, he doesn't have, he he needs a blood that has 
conquered COVID. He needs a plasma that is greater than COVID. He doesn't, he needs to have conquered COVID in order to give you uh, freedom or life. So we, we don't find any government that is an eternal government on this earth. We, I mean, Robert Mugabe was in power for a very long time. It sounds to me as if the man from North Korea is not, uh, he, he, he hopes he's got eternal life. But I can tell you now, his authority and his power is not according to an endless life. The man is becoming older and he's going to die. He doesn't have the authority to give eternal life. He has not conquered death. But we find a, a person who can intercede for us, a person who in his blood has conquered death, who can bring life to us. That is what we found in Jesus our Christ. Hallelujah. Okay, so now it says here, the former regulation is set aside. So when, it, when we look at for true joy, happiness, and all of those kind of things, we set aside anything that is not according to the order of a better hope. We find here that the better hope is introduced by the resurrected Jesus in verse 19. Let's read it. The former regulation is set aside because it is weak and useless and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. It says, and it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he, Jesus, became a priest with an oath when God said unto him, The Lord has sworn, sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the, the guarantee or the one, the, the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. So what he's saying is that those other priests, because they are dying, they are not the priests that can minister life. And the argument that the Hebrew writer is making is saying, listen, man, life is not by Levitical priesthood. We need to set all of that aside. We need to look at Jesus, and he is the one that is making intercession for us. He's the one that brings us closer to God. The only way you can draw closer to God is by having a better hope. What hope can we have uh, by the Levitical priesthood? The only hope we can have is another priest who dies, who doesn't have life, that cannot give life, that will just bring the law again, and we will look at the law, we'll break the law, we're not going to make it. What hope do we have in governments with uh, politics? The only hope you can have is that another pol a political leader will arise, then he will sit in government, and then he's going to try and keep power for another four years, and then after that, uh, you know, he's going to make the best promises he can to try and keep it, and then the hope you can have is what you can truly expect. This is hope. It's a confident expectation. You can have confidence in expecting political parties standing up against him, trying to dethrone him so that they can be in power and spend the money of the country. And you can have the hope and the confident expectation that a lot of that will have to do with ego uh, and a lot of that will have to do with uh, just the power of man and that it is going to be all about laws and regulations and the only hope you can have is that sometimes some of those governments are going to be better, 
Other times it's going to be worse, and you might live uh, seventy years, eighty years if you if if you're lucky, and um, and then you're going to die and either be cremated or be in the grave. And you, the only hope you can have is that there is no sure hope for your children and children's children because you don't know what's going to happen with these leaders. That is the only hope. That I mean, we need a better hope than that, and the. The better hope than that is when we look at Jesus Christ raised from the dead, wherein he's ascended on high, wherein all authority has been given to him, wherein he comes and brings us life. And when we have this better hope, what is the hope? An empty grave, glorification, surety of life for me and my family. That is it. That better hope brings me to a place where I can, where I am being drawn by, drawn unto God, even in the life I live now, where I start to experience peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit and kindness and a God-like life by the one that gives me that better hope, drawing me into that. Verse 20, And it was not without an oath, so God says, I promise that you will have the you will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, meaning that you, God has ordained that there will never be a change of Jesus' priesthood. Jesus will always be the one that, that is the intercessor or the one that draws us. We're still going to look at that. It says here in um Verse 23, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Why does Jesus have a per permanent priesthood? Because he lives forever. He hasn't lost his body. <laughs> I mean, if so, listen, let me, let me put it this way. If somebody doesn't have arms and legs, it doesn't have arms and legs, Okay and you are drowning and it's only that person and you in the ocean what hope do you have you don't have a lot of hope man the man cannot swim let's say there's no cell phones there's nothing just you and him on the ocean this person doesn't have any arms and legs no limbs nothing and you fall overboard and the stream takes you and you're drifting away from the boat, what hope do you have? I mean, this man has lost his arms and legs somewhere, maybe in an accident or something. He cannot help you. He's lost his arms and legs. Now, how will somebody that's lost his body help you? It's impossible. Jesus didn't lose his body. No. His body got glorified with eternal life. Now imagine you're on an ocean, you are drowning, you're physically drowning, and the person that is on the ship there is, um, you know, that needs to help you on the little rowboat or whatever it would be that is there, he is there, he's a human, he's got arms and legs, but he's completely overweight. If he gets overboard and tries and help you, or he cannot even maybe throw a lifeline or something like that, or he's very ill, I mean, you've got a, a bit of a better hope because you see his body is maybe a little bit better. But let's say you've got a strong athlete there, a swimmer. I mean, you'll feel even better 
But you know that these streams are very strong and there is, uh, you know, that he can even be overcome by the stream. But imagine you have a person there whose body has been so energized and so full of life that he can never die. He has all strength. Everything on the earth is kept together by his ability that he has, and he is bodily there, and you are drowning, you calling on his name. What hope will you have? You'll have all hope. <laughs> you have all hope. And this is what's being said here. It says here, listen to this. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because he lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, because he lives forever and he is now, because he lives forever and has and is in the priesthood, in the authority of giving eternal life, eternal priesthood, he is lives forever, he can never die, he has conquered death, and he has been given the authority to give eternal life. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Let us just get to, a, to that verse here. He always lives to intercede for them. That's going to be in, um, in Hebrews. I want to study that word intercession. I want to look at that word intercession. That word intercession also in Romans 8, 34. Listen to this. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died and rose again. It's He's the one that condemns. But what does he condemn? He condemns death. Let's read it again. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yes, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So what is this saying? It says, who is he that condemns? It says, there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. We cannot be condemned unto death. So he, who is the one that condemns? It is Christ who's, at, who's conquered death and seated at the right hand of God. He is the one that condemns. What does he condemn? I'm going to read Romans uh, 8.1. It says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak and useless through the flesh, through mortality, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin and death in the flesh. So who is he that condemns? It is Christ. What does he condemn? He condemns sin and death in the flesh. What does condemn mean? Condemn means to kill, to destroy. So, an intercessor's job, according to God, is to destroy death in somebody's life. In order to be a true intercessor, the one that God needed was that a was that that man 
could never die has conquered death and then appointed by God in the authority of God's eternal life to administer life to people. He would then be the one that ministers life to people's flesh, condemns or destroys sin in their flesh and death in their flesh, and then bring them to life. So in other words, they are now being drawn, their lives are becoming closer to what the life of God looks like by the work of Jesus. That's a true intercessor. That's what he's talking about here. That word intercede, let us go and look at that. Man, I, I looked at uh, lexicons here, and I found that the, I mean, there, there are so many of these lexicons with different definitions, but this to me is a very powerful word here, very powerful explanation of what um, intercession means. It means to light upon a person or a thing, to put light upon them to light upon a personal thing. To, uh, um, it also means to go to or meet a person, especially for the purpose of conversation. That's one meaning. To pray, to entreat, to make intercession. So it means to light upon a person, to go and meet a person for conversation, for fellowship. So the purpose of an intercessor is to go and meet a person. So what Jesus wants is that the, in, the intercessor's job is for the people to meet God and for God to meet the people. The only way that that could take place is for God in flesh, meaning when we meet God, it would be that when Jesus brings the fullness of God to us bodily, then we've met God. That's true intercession. Bridging the gap between mortality and eternal life and immortality. How can that be bridged? How can we find the immortal God meet mortal man? It's when the immortal God and mortal man becomes one where the death of mortal man is conquered and man meets eternal life and live forever by the doing of God. Now, that's why the Bible says, we draw near through him. <laughs> it's not that we try to be like God or, you know, because of Jesus, we can now pray to the Father. No, man, long before Jesus in the Old Testament, people already prayed to the Father. David prayed to the Father and all those kind of things. The problem was that David couldn't draw near unto God as pertaining to the condition where he lives. He couldn't experience what it is to have the fruit of the Spirit on account of the resurrected Jesus Christ, who has received all authority in his body after his conquered death to minister life to people. And he needed that intercessor. He was believing on that intercessor that would come. But we today can believe that he has conquered death and he has now been appointed and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is now pouring out the spirit of life, bringing life to our flesh. Now, when the spirit was poured out on David, 
when the Spirit was poured out on Samson and all those people, it was for the purpose of maybe empowering them to the level of signs, wonders, and miracles and prophesying unto that which is to come. But the Spirit of Christ that's poured out on us now is that by which we are drawing closer to the condition God finds himself in. Hallelujah. Now, can you see that this is what the world needs? Leaders, police officers, people, the rich, the poor, everybody, they need to be drawn closer to who and what God is. We cannot make people and draw people closer to God by laws or constitutions. A constitution cannot make God manifest in people. <laughs> a constitution can never do that. I've, I've already spoken about that. Let me not get into that again. So let us read this passage in um, Hebrews again. It says here, Because Jesus lives forever. Verse 24, Hebrews 7, 24. He has a permanent priesthood. In other words, he's permanently appointed to minister God to man. Meaning, it is Jesus' job to bring immortality to our flesh so that we can meet God, to shine light on us. Intercession means to shine light or to light upon a person or a thing to light upon a person or a thing. It also means, want to um, bring two words up there. It's a combination of two words. It means in, and then the word, which means, just opening it up here, hitting the mark, of one discharging a javelin or an arrow, to reach, to obtain, to get, to get something to happen, to make it manifest, to meet one. He who meets somebody presents himself. So an intercessor is somebody who hits the mark, who reaches the goal. Sin means to miss the mark. Intercessory work through Jesus Christ means to hit the mark, to hit the goal. What was the goal? The goal was to meet God in the flesh. How will we meet God in the flesh? We will have to be presented with eternal life and it will have to happen in our lives. That's how we meet God. And as we believe on the resurrection power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit brings forth the life of God in us and we meet God as we feel what it is to love somebody. We meet God when we feel what it feels like to give somebody some money because we have been meeting God for Jesus is healing our flesh from mortality. This is what the world needs. This is what politicians need. And I want to tell you, preachers, no politician needs you to threaten him, man. They need the gospel. They need the gospel. That's what they need. They need the gospel believed. And you know what? I want to speak to preachers. You need the gospel. 
You need to hear this message and believe it. But Bertie, with what boldness, who are you to tell me something? I only speak what I've heard of my father. That's all. If you don't accept my word, it's because you're not accepting him who has sent me. That is it. And I plead with you, accept this word. Ask God that you can meet God, that you can understand the gospel, have a life born from the gospel, and then go and preach it to your, to, to your church. Preach it to the politicians in your church. Preach it to the businessmen in your church. To the point that your, the people in your church, families, fathers and mothers will sit down their children from small and teach them the resurrection, what it means to meet God, how we meet God, what it means not to lose your body but to gain eternal life. You don't gain eternal life when you lose your body. You, you, your body needs to gain eternal life by somebody who's of the authority and power to vitalize you to the point of full expression of God where you meet God. That is what it is all about. Let's read it again. <laughs> Who is he that condemns? There's only one that condemns. He says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? I'm not condemned to death, to never meet God. Death is being condemned by the one who in his flesh conquered death and is now in the place and the authority to administer life to me that I can meet God in the flesh. God meeting man in the flesh is being portrayed in Jesus, where he is God. He is God. He is God in the flesh. God and man made one. And we shall be one as the Father and the Son is one. That is it. Go and read John 17. I have time to get into that. Who is he that condemns? It is the Christ that died, yes, rather, that is risen, who is even at the right hand of God in the order of Melchizedek, who also makes intercession for us, who makes us meet God in the flesh. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What is the love of Christ? The love of Christ is the intercession he makes that makes us meet God. Who will separate you from meeting God in your flesh, feeling the fruit and experiencing the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in your life? Who can separate you from that? No one. Yeah, but do you know what they've done. They have now said that we as the church, the government has now said, we as the church, blah, 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 blah. Do you think that can separate you from the intercessor who, in, who comes in between where you are and who God is, meeting up whatever you lack, bringing you to the place where you meet the fullness of God in your flesh? We don't even under, understand intercession because our gospel was a gospel where we've lost more than a limb. We lost our bodies. That's terrible. And then, 
thinking that Jesus lost his body. He shed his body somehow. And now he needs to help me who's dying in the flesh? Who's dying? No, he, <laughs> he had to be strengthened in his body. He had to meet God in his flesh fully. And now from that authority, he can make intercession for us. Hmm, that is so powerful. That, this is life-changing. This message needs to be heard by every politician. It needs to be heard by every policeman. It needs to be heard by every poor person. It needs to be heard by every looter that burns places down. It needs to be heard by every Black Lives Matter person. It needs to be heard by every person that thinks that white is God or whatever you need. They need to hear this message. They need to call upon the name of Jesus that makes intercession. They need to meet God. The world needs God. They need to meet God. Meet God doesn't mean just hear the message. Meet God, as I'm explaining in the context here. That is what the world needs. It says here, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, and he's talking about every government being against you as much as what they can. <laughs> Shall that separate you from meeting God? I'm not talking just one day, S experiencing the meeting being set up in you. You find, you know, when you're going to meet somebody, you'll find the, 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 the table is being set. That is already part of the meeting that's starting to take place. Everything is being prepared. You're already seeing the first signs of the meeting. You find the plates being put up. You find the, the, the knives and the forks. You find the flowers. You find the, the, the decoration. You find the, the band comes and the music is coming. You find everything being set up. Everything is being made beautiful. It's already, I'm, you're already starting to experience that meeting. Oh my goodness, man, I can feel it. I feel the meeting on me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then you start to see, you know, people, you start to smell the food that's being cooked. It is the meeting already starting to be take place. It's the first fruit of that meeting. It's already showing in you. And then you'll find the person arrive and you meet him. And that him or her, and you'll find that is how it works for us. Because Jesus, the fact that he's conquered physical death, seated at the right hand of God, makes intercession for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Listen to this. Therefore, he is able to save completely. I tell you, when your spirit has gone to heaven, you sit there with God. That's not complete salvation. You've lost your body. It's terrible. Those who've come to God through him, it says he can save completely. Those who come to God through him. <laughs> Listen to what he's saying. Drawing near to God, coming unto God. We're not just talking about coming unto God is like I'm coming through the name of Jesus. Father, I come in the name of Jesus as part of a prayer. No, I'm coming to bodily immortality. I'm coming to the fullness of the Godhead bodily through this man that has conquered death and is raised from the dead. 
Oh my goodness, this is too lofty for a carnal mind. <laughs> Glory to this is the good news, man. This these words I speak to you is holy. These words are holy. You might say, but Bertie, what if this never happens to you? What if you die in your body? Then I had the opportunity to speak these words. Hallelujah. I had the privilege of believing this. Even if I die, I know that my death can only be reckoned in the mind of the Almighty God as a sleep and I will wake up <laughs> finding God, the fullness of God in my flesh. Mm. Afrikaans sal ons sê, hoe smaak hy nou? Therefore he is able to save completely those who are coming to God through him because he always lives to shine God's light on them, to make them meet God. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. <laughs> Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for, he, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So he says, you know their sins? How I'll take away their sins? I'll offer myself then I will conquer death and then I myself will be the one that takes away their sin, their death, condemns sin in their flesh and I will make them meet God. Mm. For the law appoints a high, listen, for the law appoints as high priest men in all their weakness. I want to just make, this was for Jews, but I want to make it for all of us. For constitutions appoints presidents in their weakness. And we squabble about which weak one is in power. It's time that we awaken unto the gospel. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath, the promise of God, listen to this, which came after the law, appointed the son, the one wherein he says, you are my son, this day have I begotten you when he raised him from the dead. He says, who has been made perfect forever. Hallelujah. The promise of God is not a next president. I, it's so sad to see the church busy with prophets all the time wanting to know who is the next weak president. Who is the next weak church, politicians, church leaders, prophets. Let's wake up from our sleep. Let us rise to the occasion by simply knowing the one that has been by the promise of God made Perfect forever, 
who makes intercession, who makes us meet God in the flesh. Glory to God. Father, I want to thank you that I could speak these holy words, your gospel today to your people. I declare each one of them blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to, um, if, if, if this message has blessed you, share it with somebody. Hit the like there on YouTube or Facebook. Share it. Speak to somebody. That's one thing you can do. If you don't even want, I don't even care if you do that. I just feel if you want to do it, there are people that just simply forget and they want to do it. Do that. More than that. Much more than that. Believe it, man. Believe this message. Grab a hold of this message. Let us unashamedly preach the good news, the gospel. What is the gospel? We have an intercessor. We have an high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He's the minister of righteousness. He's the king of righteousness. He ministers life to our flesh. He makes us meet God in our flesh. We don't have to be as Socrates was, whose theology or his, whose understanding or his philosophy is so weak that he has to lose his body to not just a foot or a limb. He's got to lose his physical body to be in some place of bliss. Our God makes us meet God through Jesus Christ because it is an oath that he has sworn. Glory to God. Thank you so much for watching this. Know you're loved by God. God bless.